Good morning, everyone. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11, just a couple of verses today in a new message series entitled, This Too Shall Last. We're talking about what it means in the life of faith, as people of faith, when we are called upon to suffer in a way that doesn't pass quickly. Often in our Christian lives, we are just sort of, I don't know, trained somehow to believe that any problems we have should evaporate by midnight, and they just don't. They often don't, and for that reason, we are often uh, unprepared for how long uh, hardship can last. I told you all the story about the day, uh, it's been a while back now, I, I came out of Myers. I do all the grocery shopping, I do all the cooking. I, I came out of Myers on Monday, uh, and uh, it, it was just, the sky was heavy, it was just about to pour down rain. You could smell it, you could feel it, the sky was dark. So I had my whole basket full of groceries. I was determined to unload and get my basket into the corral before the rain came. And that was my goal. I mean, it, it was fierce looking. Uh, I happened to be parked right by a little old lady. Uh, she was in one of those little grocery scooters. And she had her basket full of groceries too. And I could tell by just her, 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 her demeanor, her, her movements, I could tell she was as nervous as I was about getting everything unloaded and, and getting in the car and out of here before the rain begins to pour. I mean, it was about to pour. So I said, ma'am, can I help you? Anything I can do to help you? She said, oh, young man, that would be so fantastic. It's about to pour. I said, I know. Can I help you with your groceries? She said, no, I can handle the groceries. Would you mind taking the scooter back to the grocery? <laughs> now, y'all are laughing because y'all are thinking, well, I've always thought those things look cool. Like, I've always wanted, like, seriously, haven't you just wanted to get on one of those and ride? I mean, I've ridden four-wheelers and, and dirt bikes all my life, and I just thought, man, I would love to get on one of those and see what they will do. So when she said, young man, would you take my scooter back? I said, I'm your guy. You know, I will do that. Did I mention it was just about to pour? I mean, just about to pour. So she got all of her groceries in her trunk. I helped her get her groceries in. She closed her car. I jumped on the scooter, y'all. I'm about to ride this thing. Y'all ever, you've seen the old folks in the, you know, in the aisle at the grocery. They never go fast. The, the, the old folks in the aisles, they never go fast. And I've always assumed that they just preferred to go slowly. I've just always assumed that they just didn't want to open it up and see what it would do, you, you know? And so I got on it and thought, I'm about to find out what this thing will do, all right? Just about the time my rear end hit the seat, it started pouring. I mean, it just starts pouring. It's like somebody's pouring a bucket of water on my head. It's pouring. But I'm not worried. I have a machine built for speed. So I sit on it, I start moving, and at first it just sort of inches along, you know. So I decided to really open it up, you know, give it all it's got. Do y'all know what happens on one of those grocery scooters when you give it all it's got? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. It ain't got nothing. And so I gave it all it got, and I'm still just like, just bare, and it is pouring rain now. It's pouring rain. I mean, like somebody just poured a bucket on my head. So I start trying to, you know, like. <laughs> and, I mean, true story. I start like pushing with my feet, you know, because this thing will not move. And I'm just like, ah, you know, it's just pouring. I, I look like an idiot, you know, just. Rain's just. 
finally, I just had to accept, you know, I'm just going to get wet. And I'm going to ride this scooter at the, you know, at the, uh, approximately the velocity of continental drift. I'm just barely moving. And I, I just had to recognize that I'm just going to have to be on that ride for as long as it takes. You um, understand? I would have preferred it go faster. I would have preferred that it stopped raining. It did not stop raining, and it did not go faster. I just had to go for as long as it would go. And honestly, there's a lesson in suffering right there. And this is hard for us. But when trouble comes, just accept that you will have to ride it out for as long as it takes. Just accept that. You're just going to have to ride it out for as long as it takes. And these, this panic... This determination that we have that it's got to be over soon, it's going to have to end soon, I'm telling you, that doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. And your desire to get this over with, to be done with this, it's a human desire, it's a natural desire. We've all been there, we all understand, but I'm just telling you that there is some wisdom in just learning how to accept the things that you cannot change. And you cannot in any way determine how long your trouble lasts, how long this suffering is going to take for you. Just accept that you're going to have to ride it out for as long as it takes. And you're saying, Pastor Tim, is that all you got for us? Is that the best you have for us? No, no, no. What I have for you is so much better today. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. These are words from Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. A word for all of us who are carrying heavy burdens. This is just so good. If these lines aren't underlined in your Bible, why don't you underline these verses in your Bible? I know that some of you bombed out on memorizing the Ten Commandments, but could you memorize these three little bitty verses? Because these are words from Jesus that will strengthen you in your entire life. Memorize these verses. Matthew chapter 11, beginning with verse 28. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. Yeah. I love these verses so much. Verse 30, it says it right there. My yoke is easy to bear. My yoke is easy to bear. So what do you think that means? Some of you are thinking, okay, Pastor Jim, we got it right there. It's in writing. It's a promise from Jesus himself that if we have him in our life, if you have God in your life, if you have Jesus in your life, then your life's going to be easy. Is that the promise? Is that what he says? My yoke is easy. It implies that, man, if, if you are carrying heavy burdens, you come to Jesus, you won't have to carry heavy burdens anymore. If your life is difficult, you come to Jesus, and your life won't be difficult anymore. I mean, it says it right there, my yoke is easy. Does Jesus guarantee us an easy life if we follow him? You're all shaking your heads no, which leads me to believe that you all think that that's not true, that, that, that your life is not guaranteed to be easy if you follow Jesus. And, and you know that that's 
Not true. It is not that Jesus is promising us an easy life. So why is it when life gets hard, we all begin to respond as if something strange is happening? When trouble really does come to visit us and refuses to leave, we begin to struggle in our faith. We begin to struggle. We don't understand what it means because even though in our heads we know that Jesus never promised us an easy life, we want an easy life. We want an easy life, and for that reason, we sort of expect Jesus to deliver us an easy life. We know he doesn't promise it, but still we want it. And when life is not easy, it's very difficult for us to make sense out of it. I mean, I know, I know, we all know that life is full of trouble and that everybody you know, that they all carry their own fair share of the sufferings of the world. And, and if you live any length of time at all, you're going to have to bear your fair share of the sufferings of the world. That's just how it works. We know that. Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life. Still, it doesn't stop us from asking, why? Why is this happening to me? Why? Why am I going through this medical scare? Why am I suffering cancer? Why must I watch my loved ones suffer? Why is this happening to our nation? Why is this happening to my family? Lord, explain why. If he would just explain why. We talked about this last week. We talked about this when we were reading through the book of Job last week. We almost can't help but ask why. Because even though we sort of understand that this is how the world works, still, because of Jesus and because of his promises and because we know what he can do, we know that he's good and we know that he's great, and we know that he cares about our suffering, there's just something incongruous about the fact that we suffer. There's just something about the way in which we know that he's good, we know that he's great, but when we pray for help, it doesn't always seem like he helps. So why? I mean, that's our question, why? And I said it last week, and I'll say it again now. You can ask that question all day long till you're blue in the face, but I'm not sure you're ever going to get an answer that satisfies you. I don't know that there is a satisfying answer. That doesn't mean there aren't some good answers. There are some bad answers, and people will line up to give you the bad answers. But even if there were a good answer, it would be a logical answer. And your suffering isn't logical. You can explain to me logically why it is that trouble is happening, but that's not going to take away my pain. Do you understand? In your time of trial, in your time of trouble, during your suffering, I'm not sure it's an explanation that you need, even though that is often what you're asking for. Please just tell me why. I don't think the answer why is actually what you need. Because I'll tell you this much, when it comes to that question, when it comes to our suffering, Jesus just never seems to give us an explanation. He doesn't. Because I'm not sure an explanation is what you need. I think what you actually need, what I need is help. I need help. So in our times of trouble, when trouble comes, Jesus doesn't give you an explanation. He gives you himself. Jesus gives you himself. 
Now, I know some of you think, well, well, what good is that? Well, if you don't understand the power and the comfort and the amazing, amazing promise that Jesus gives us by giving him, us himself, then you don't really know Jesus. And I'd like you to come to know Jesus. What Jesus says here is just absolutely beautiful. Come to me. Come to me. All of you who are weary, carry heavy burdens, I will give you an explanation. No. No. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to Jesus. You say, Pastor Tim, I know Jesus, I'm a Christian, and yet still, you know, this is happening, and still, I, I can't sleep at night, I don't have a moment's rest day or, or night, that my burdens are overwhelming, my situation is astonishing, I, I'm still saying, you got to come to Jesus. Pastor Tim, I got saved when I was a kid, I, I know Jesus, I, I, I pray to Jesus, I, I, I know, but you still have to come to Jesus. There is something about trouble, that there's something about suffering, and we never would choose it, and we never would invite it, and honestly, some of the worst times of our life are those moments when trouble comes and refuses to leave. But I'll also tell you, it's in those moments, those moments when trouble comes, the moments when you face the trial, the moments when you are in the fire, it's in those moments that if you will turn to Jesus, you will learn to know him in a way you've never known him before. I know you got saved when you were a child, just like I got saved when I was a child. But this is part of how you grow up in him. Because you begin living an adult life and facing adult problems. And you begin to need Jesus in a way you did not need him in middle school. When your biggest problem was a pimple before the prom. Understand, now your life is much more complicated. You need a Jesus who is much more powerful. You need to know his presence in a much more real way. And I'm telling you, the school of suffering is often where you learn to know Jesus. Come to him. Come to him. So what is it that keeps you from trusting Jesus? Pastor Tim, I do trust Jesus. I ask him to help me all the time. Okay, but, but let's really talk about it. Do you really trust him? Do you trust him? What keeps you from it? I would say first is pride, and this is probably mine. I'll confess this first for myself. It's pride. It's not so much that I consciously think, I don't actually think the thought, you know, that Jesus, I don't need you. I don't need you, but that's how I live, as if I don't need him. I say this because often in my life, um, I can have a very prayerless existence. There you go. Your pastor just confessed that sometimes he, he doesn't pray. No, I pray all the time, and at the same time, sometimes I pray almost never. And, and I know it doesn't make sense, but, but I, I pray a lot. I'm, I'm offering just whispering a prayer, you know, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, bless me. Lord, you know, thank you. I mean, lots and lots of, of, of bursts of prayer through the day. But I'm telling you, there's a pridefulness in me. When life is going well, I often don't turn to Jesus. Sometimes I remember to thank him, but honestly, I don't even always remember to thank him. I mean, he is just so good. And his gifts are so numerous, he is much more generous than I am grateful. 
So there are entire seasons of my life, it comes down to pride. I just begin to think I don't need him. And so I don't invite his help. I don't always pray about decisions because I just sort of feel like I got this. Now, I'm not saying that I don't love Jesus. I'm not saying I don't pray at all. I'm just saying I don't pray with any real seriousness. Y'all are looking at me like you never heard anything like this. Anybody else? Y'all feel me? I mean, it's just pride. I just begin living as if I don't need any help, as if I don't need strength that comes outside myself. And, and that's not true. It's never true. Everything that I do, I do because of the strength of Christ who lives within me. But I forget that. I forget that. In moments of trouble, in moments of suffering, I can begin to remember how much I need him. But even that requires a certain confession and, and, and sacrifice of my pride. Give up your pride. Number two, guilt. What keeps you from trusting Jesus? A lot of us, is just guilt. See, that's the thing. So many of us, deep down inside, we know what we've done, and we don't feel like we deserve anything from Jesus. And so when we need him, we hesitate to come back to him and ask, because deep down inside, we feel like we probably deserve whatever it is we're getting. And let's all just agree, we don't deserve anything good from God. None of this is about what we deserve. If we got what we deserved, we'd all be condemned. So none of this is about what you deserve. It's all about his grace. But your guilt will keep you from experiencing his grace because you won't turn to him. You won't ask for help. You know, sometimes guilt, the sin itself will just become this barrier, this wall between you and the Lord. I'm not saying that your suffering is punishment for your sin, but in moments of suffering, it's a really good time to just confess your sin, experience forgiveness, and then receive the grace that Jesus brings. I'm telling you, guilt will mess you up. Guilt will absolutely stand in the way of all the things that Jesus wants to give you. And it's not that Jesus himself refuses to give you anything. It's that because of your guilt, you, you, you won't receive anything from him. It's really, really hard to experience the rest that Jesus promises when deep down inside you think you deserve the misery that you're experiencing. You give up your guilt. Fear. Fear. What keeps you from trusting Jesus? Fear. You say, Pastor Tim, I'm not scared of Jesus. I'm not afraid of Jesus. I don't think you're afraid of Jesus. I just think a lot of us are afraid of what happens when we're not in control. It's the fear of losing control for most of us. Like you would rather experience the misery that, that you understand, the misery that you come to expect, than somehow put your hands, put your life in the hands of Jesus, and, and then at that point, live under his control. You'd rather just be in control, as miserable as you are. And as much as you realize that when you are behind the wheel, you're going to drive this thing off a cliff every single time, but still, you understand that because you're in control. You love control, and you crave control. And I'm telling you, you really can't walk with Jesus and you maintain control. None of this works that way. Jesus can't be your Savior while at the same time you continue to be your own Lord. No, no. He's going to be your Lord. He is going to have the authority to command your life. And if you will not be commanded by him, if you will not give up your own authority, your own right to be in control, if you can't give that up, I'm telling you, you really can't walk with him. 
doesn't work that way. But that fear of losing control, oh my goodness, some of us are terrified by that. What would happen if all of a sudden you weren't in control? Perhaps some of this you learned in your own life. Maybe in the, in the house in which you grew up, when you weren't in control, you got hurt. When you weren't in control, people would abandon you. People would disappoint you. So you've just sort of you know, put up these shields where you live your life defensively. You're living your life by fear, but, but your fear tells you that, that, that you know, you're just going to stay in control, and that way nobody can hurt you. But I'm telling you, all of these instincts that you've learned, they are poison in your spiritual life. Jesus is not going to hurt you. Jesus is not going to leave you. Jesus is not going to disappoint you. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to forsake you. Give up this desire to be in control. Surrender your fear and trust him. To trust him. You know, I I hesitate to put this one up because this one's mine too. Uh, Doubt. I've always been a doubter. I'm a logical thinker. I, I like to think my way in a problem and out the other side. Faith has not always come easily for me because I always have a lot of questions. And and unfortunately, as I'm telling you over and over and over, we don't always get answers to all of our questions on the front end of faith. So it turns out I have to somehow trust Jesus while at the same time managing some level of doubt. Is that even possible? Book of James says a doubter, a person who doubts, is unstable. They're double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Is that me? Is that what the scripture says? Am I unstable in every way because I continue to have some doubt? I don't think so. And what gives me hope is that story where the man meets Jesus. I think it's his son or his child that, that needs healing. Jesus says that all things are possible if you only believe. And what does the man say? I, I believe, but help, help my unbelief. So in other words, what he's saying is I, I believe, but I got some unbelief left over. But please, please, do what you can do. I mean, do, do what you will do. Don't, don't, let, don't let my unbelief stand in the way. I, I believe. I, I, I want to believe. And this is what I'm telling you. I believe that when it comes to Jesus wanting to believe is good enough. You, just, you can want to believe, and that's good enough. I believe that just the desire to please him pleases him. I don't think Jesus is that hard to please. And I think he wants to help you even more than you want to be helped. All it takes, Jesus says, is a mustard seed of faith. It's just a smidge. It's, it's all it takes. It's not the measure of your faith. It's not how much faith you have. It's not do you have more faith than you have doubt. It's just do you have a mustard seed of faith and will you put that mustard seed of faith in Jesus? Because you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. At the same time. If you won't put that smidge of faith in him, if you won't give him the opportunity to work in your life, if you will not turn to him, he cannot help you. Turn to him. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you. What's that about? I would say it this way. It's, it's, it's about surrendering to Jesus. Surrender to him. Surrender. 
take my yoke upon you. Um, a lot of us probably don't really know what a yoke is, like unless you go to Cracker Barrel, they usually got one hanging from the ceiling, and even then you don't know what that is, you know. A, a yoke is a kind of double collar. It's like two collars that are fastened together so that you can uh, link two pulling animals together for farming. This is way back in the day when your great-great-grandfather had to plow with mules, you know, or in Jesus' day, oxen. And so one oxen has, you know, one oxen's worth of pulling power, but if you can yoke two together, then you have both animals pulling together, right? So that's what a yoke would do. It allows you to connect two animals in, in, in two collars linked together so that their pulling power is, is combined and doubled, right? But there's another use for the yoke, especially in Jesus' day. They would use a yoke to train a younger animal in, into how to pull, how to farm. So you would take the older oxen, the big strong oxen, who's going to do all the work, you would put him in one side of the yoke, and then you put the calf beside him. Now the calf ain't worth a nickel. The calf can't pull, the calf doesn't understand any of it, but you yoke the calf to the big old ox, right? And because he's yoked to the big ox, understand, the big ox is doing all the work. It's providing all of the strength, all of the power, but the younger ox, understand, gets to walk alongside. That's how he learns. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, do you understand what that means? You are not the big ox. You're not the strong one. You're not the one providing all the pull power. Now, you think you are. You like to think you are. Sometimes you act like you are. Sometimes you're in that yoke, just pulling with all you got, but all you got is nothing. nothing. Do you understand? When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, what is he saying to you? He's saying, surrender to me. You're going to be yoked to me, which means you're going to go where I go. You're going to move in the direction I move. You're going to go at the pace I go. It's all about surrender. But do you understand the beauty of this? What Jesus is saying is, yeah, we're going we're gonna to plow a long row here, but I'm going to be providing all the pull. I'm going to provide all the strength. Do you understand? Jesus does not promise you an easy life. What he does promise is that he will supply everything you need to live it. Everything, even in this moment of trial, in this moment of difficulty, in the midst of your adversity. If you will just simply surrender to Jesus, if you will take his yoke upon yourself, what you're going to find is that he is going to supply all of the pull power. You're going to make it. You're going to come through. You're going to have victory over this. But understand, none of the power, none of it comes from you. It all comes from him. But only if you surrender. See, most of us, we, we really want to do all the work. We just want Jesus to sort of come in on occasion and help us over the rough spots. I'm telling you, all of life is a rough spot. You're never intended to, to do any of this by yourself. Surrender to Jesus. Take his yoke upon you. Does that make sense? It doesn't promise you an easy life, but I'm telling you, it's much, much easier when you have a source of strength outside yourself in Jesus will provide you everything you need. Take my yoke upon you, he says, and let me teach you. 
Let, let, let me teach you. Let, let Jesus teach you. So Pastor Tim, I've been a Christian for years. Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too. I have now been walking with Jesus as of this October. It'll be 50 years. Wow. I still have so much he needs to teach me. So, Pastor Tim, none of this is helping me. Pastor, I appreciate your efforts, Pastor Tim, but none of this is helping me. You, you said you were going to help us learn how to live with adversity. And, and nothing you're telling me is helping me. I mean, what exactly does it mean to let Jesus teach me? What does it mean to surrender to him? Just tell me what it means. How do I do that? In, in practical terms, how do I do that? I don't know that it's anything you don't already know to do. The problem is you don't even do the things you know to do. When Jesus says, let me teach you, understand the Christian life is, is a, a decision that you make on the front end, followed by a, a lifelong learning process. A disciple is a learner. Jesus said, go you into all the world and make disciples. We're all disciples, which means we're students of Jesus. And if you're still alive, you're still learning. You, you still have much to learn. And as much as we despise it, suffering is often a very excellent school for learning more and more of what Jesus can do for us. If you never had a problem, you would never know that Jesus can solve them. If you had never had your heart broken in a thousand pieces, you would never know the power of Jesus to mend a broken heart. If you had never known suffering and sickness, you would never know God's power to sustain and to heal. Do you understand? Let Jesus teach you. One of my favorite things as pastor around here is watching the children grow. I just love it. We dedicate a baby, and like we turn around twice, and it's a full-grown adult. I mean, kids grow up so fast. And I love the way it seems like so many kids learn to walk, you know, like nearly at church. Because there are multiple times, like I can name the families. One of my favorite was the Blicks. Uh, uh, Michelle and Ken Blick were in the lobby, and little Kenton, who is now, what, a 40-year-old man? I mean, he's like a grown man. But when Kenton was like a, a brand-new baby, there was one Sunday, one Sunday, when Michelle and, and Ken were saying, come here, Kenton, like in the lobby, come here, Kenton, come here. And little Kenton was like, just barely moving. Just barely moved, and they're like, come here. This was right here in our lobby on a Sunday. And, and little Kenton Blick was, you know, like, you know like, like barely taking a step. The next Sunday, the next Sunday, I heard Michelle Blick say, come back, Kenton. Come back, Kenton. You know, boom, he's gone. But you know, as a parent, teaching your child to walk is the most joyous thing. You know, come here. Come here, and yeah, it, it, it is, you can, the, the child is terrified, the child is weak, but, but, but come here, come here, you know, it's just the most joyous thing. And that joy that parents have in teaching their children to walk, it's the same joy that Jesus has in teaching you. He loves you, he, he just wants you to know the things that you need to know to stay on your feet in him. Let him teach you. Pastor Tim, what does that mean? You're talking about reading the Bible? Yes. Well, I read my Bible. Yeah, I, I know. But there are seasons of your life which will drive you deeper into the Word. You have to learn to go deeper. 
I, I know, I know. You just, like when you say you read your Bible, what you mean is when you go through Facebook and somebody posts a verse of the day, you read that. And then you tell yourself, well, I read my Bible, that's a good verse. And then you, like you copy their verse onto your Facebook. And now, now not only have you read the Bible in your mind, you've also preached the word. You're going to have to learn to go a little bit deeper than just a verse of the day on Facebook. You're going to have to go deeper into the Word. You're going to have to go deeper to the point where you begin to encounter the, the speaking voice of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Some of you have never gotten to that point. Let your adversity push you deeper into the Word. Yeah, of course we're talking about prayer. Of course you need to be talking to Jesus. Well, Pastor Jim, I pray. I know you do. You need to learn to pray with more seriousness, with more faithfulness, with more earnestness. Pain will drive you right to the feet of Jesus. You can learn to pray in ways you've never prayed before. This is an opportunity. Pastor Tim, I do pray. Are you telling me I could just pray my problems away? It's not that easy, but see, the scripture gives you two alternatives. It says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. You can't worry and pray at the same time. And so, at least part of what you can do is stop practicing worrying and start practicing praying. You worry and you fret and you talk to everybody, you know, about your problems, but I'm just saying, Go to Jesus, talk to Jesus, surrender to Jesus, let him teach you. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you. So a man called the pastor desperately, pastor, I need to talk to you now. I have to talk to you now. So the pastor went out of his way, went to meet with a man at the church. The man comes in. I mean, he's shaking. He is crying. He is so upset. He'd had a hard life, and most of their hardship he brought in himself, and he knew that. But He had years ago, in, in, a, in an alcoholic fit of rage, he had, he had killed his own wife. And so he had spent a good number of years in the federal penitentiary, and during that time, their only daughter was uh, given custody over to uh, his wife's parents, his in-laws, who had moved out of state as far away from him as they could and, and refused to let her even know him. So now he was out of the federal penitentiary wanting to start his life over, but, but desperately desiring just to know his daughter. He's pouring his heart out to the pastor. And he said, Pastor, you don't understand what it's like. If I were to walk down the street and pass my own daughter, I wouldn't even know her if I saw her. I wouldn't even know her if I saw her. And shaking and crying, pouring out his heart. Pastor says, Sir, can I just ask you, what is your relationship to Jesus? The man said, Pastor, I knew this is what you do. Can we not just leave Jesus out of this? Okay, I know that's an extreme illustration, but that's what you do. You carry your burdens, you carry your problems, your heart breaks, you cry real tears, you can't sleep at night, but you leave Jesus out of it. 
You blame him. You blame him for all your problems. You're mad at him. You got questions one day. You want to point your finger in his face and ask your questions. But when it comes to the daily living of your life, you act like you don't even need him. You act like you don't know him. You leave him out of it. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. Notice how in three verse we move from carrying heavy burdens to a burden that is light. How is it that Jesus lightens the load for you? How is it that Jesus somehow takes your heavy, heavy burden, makes it something you can carry? You know the answer, don't you? He will carry it for you. Jesus will carry your burdens for you. But you have to come to him. You have to trust him. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I am praying now on behalf of a world of people who are weary. Lord, there are brothers and sisters in this room, in this cafe, in the sound of my voice, who are exhausted from the problems that they are managing every single day. Lord, some of the problems they may have created for themselves, Lord, some of the problems they had no hand in creating, Lord, some of it, Lord, is just the way life turns out. And I pray on behalf of all of those today who pray with such weariness. Lord, I pray on behalf of those who are carrying heavy burdens, overwhelming problems, astonishing questions, mind-numbing pain. I pray on behalf of all of those, Lord, today who come to this worship service with so much worry, so much doubt, so much fear, so much guilt. Lord, it just sounds so simple. That all we have to do is bring our burdens to you and lay them down. Just come to your feet and, and lay our burdens down at your feet. It sounds so simple, but it turns out not to be a simple thing. Something about us, Lord. We will complain and we will cry and we will get angry and we will get depressed and we will live with anxiety. But at the same time, Lord, we just simply will not trust you. We simply will not let our trouble, our adversity, push us deeper into your word, deeper into prayer, closer to your heart. Lord Jesus, for whatever reason, we suffer and we leave you out of it. So help us today to hear the invitation to come to you, to leave our doubts, to leave our fears, to leave our guilt, to leave our pride come to you, to bring all of our burdens and lay them down at your feet. You don't promise us an easy life, Lord, but you do promise us strength and rest. 
pray for every weary heart today, Lord, that just needs rest. May we find it, Lord Jesus, rest in you. Pray these things in your humble and gentle and strong name, Jesus.